Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today I've got a lovely returning guest. She's a very popular guest on my show. Her name is Marie Fraser. She's a relationship coach. And if you haven't already heard our previous conversation, then do please, if you're new to this, go back and have a look at our previous episode, which was entitled breaking up with a narcissist so that was our previous episode that we discussed so welcome back Marie thank you Lynn I'm delighted to be here always lovely to talk to you so thanks for having me back (laughs) you're very welcome and it's a very important subject you discussed because I think sometimes you know um, a lot of women and, and men suffer in silence around this particular topic don't they they don't necessarily ever get out of those relationships Oh, for sure. And I think one of the reasons that a lot of people don't discuss it is, you know, there's a lot of shame around um, emotional abuse because, you know, you can you can go into that relationship as a, you know, confident um, together person and depending, you know, you, you could be with a narcissist for six weeks or 60 years you know, um, but the damage they can do in even such a short space of time is incredibly um, pervasive. And, um, you know, it's, it takes a long time for you to figure out what the hell happened. I mean, a classic example, I was talking to a new client yesterday, who's been subjected to uh, this form of emotional abuse for four weeks. And it's had such a dramatic effect on her, bless her. You know, she's had to come off work and go to see the doctor because she cannot, you know, she cannot understand what's happened, all the love bombing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, and then the next minute, the sort of gaslighting and um, manipulation. Um, So there's a lot of shame that goes Um, with this sort of abuse because one you can't believe it's happened two you've lost a sense of who you are which can be quite shameful and the most important most importantly and certainly for me I actually didn't want to admit to the rest of the world that I had been subjected to that sort of abuse I was ashamed of it So, yeah, it's, you know, and this is the reason why I'm happy to talk about it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, You know, these people are incredibly manipulative. They are really dangerous people emotionally. And the more that people talk about it, then hopefully it will encourage other people who are suffering or have suffered to, you know, recognize that they it's not just them. Yeah, absolutely. So. Thank you um, for your for your insights around narcissism and um, and obviously this is on the back of your own experience too, which is uh, 
you know, all credit to you for being one of those people that is able to speak out and help others now. Um, so very grateful for that. So in this particular episode, what we wanted to sort of move on to focus on, on around was um, how to rebuild you, your life, yourself after that sort of narcissistic abuse. But before we delve into that, Marie, I'd just like to, you know, just recap a little bit for those people that are new to this um, word narcissism uh, on what that actually means in terms of the traits that somebody displays. Well, the the most common ones are um, initially what we call love bombing. So they could be calling you, texting you, messaging you 20, 30 plus times a day. And that makes you feel as, the, as though you are the only person in the world that matters to them. And, you know, from my personal experience, I was married to a narcissist for 27 years. I mean, I didn't realize that. I just thought he was slightly cookie in the beginning. And, but, you know, a, a sense of a sort of arrogance, which, you know, my, I put down to confidence, but, you know, it was arrogance. There's no, um, a, a narcissist will um, never be wrong. You know, they will convince you or try to convince you that black is white. It's um, and this is why narcissism is really hard to treat because they don't believe there's anything wrong with them. So everything is your fault. And so from the love bombing, there can be then, you know, you can go on to situations where, you know, um, this is a classic that used to happen to me a lot. Um um, you know, the, the guy would say, I mean, obviously there are women narcissists too. Um, he would say, oh, right, I'm going off on this trip and, you know, for whenever. And I'd say, well, hang on a minute. I, I don't know about this. Could you just, you know, give me some um, background? You know, you've not told me. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And so there'd be this argument. I knew he hadn't told me, but then that what that does over time, it then makes you question, you know, what did I miss? It, it must be me. It must be me. So you then start to blame yourself because, oh, I don't know why I didn't. I would have remembered that name. You know, this must be me. And also, you know, um, being really, really sort of mean in some of the comments that they may, they may make you know, or you're a psycho or something like that, just because they're not agreeing with you. And then when you confront them, it's, well, you, you know, I didn't really mean that, but it's because they can't actually cope with you questioning that, you know, you don't agree with them. And then what happens is, and certainly what happened with me, is that you just get so exhausted with the arguments that you then just think, do you know what? Oh, just let it go. And to a certain extent, you know, that is the worst thing you can do because you're just building up um, this anxiety within of questioning yourself. Your confidence just, you know, shatters. Your self-esteem shatters. And you just, you just don't know who you are. It's almost as though you're being controlled, which is what narcissists love to do. They want to control you. And, you know... It, when I have people, you know, come to me and we talk about narcissism, you know, can I get him help or can I get her help? Will, will she change? You know, my advice is run, run as fast as you can in the opposite 
opposite direction because it is incredibly hard to treat. Now, you know, these are just a few examples that I've given. We could, you know, we could talk all day about, you know, traits and what have you. But, you know, manipulation, uh, which leads to you questioning your sanity and, you know, then blaming yourself that you've got hold of the wrong end of the stick when, in fact, you haven't got hold of the wrong end of the stick. And, you know, go, going with your gut reactions uh, is usually, well, I've never known my gut reaction not to be spot on. It's mm. just that you then lose the confidence to sort of trust your instincts. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, we did go into, as a, as I said in a previous episode, quite a lot around the, the different things that are the traits of a narcissist. So if for those that are interested in that on the previous episode I did with Marie, then there is that one to delve into. But on this particular episode, we wanted to talk about moving on from that and um, how to rebuild your life afterwards, because obviously there's a lot of pain to heal, isn't there, on the back of all this? Oh, for sure. I mean, an enormous amount of pain, which um, is something, to be honest with you, you can't describe because, you know, let's face it, we're all unique individuals and how we process our emotions are, are you know, as, as, as unique, uh, you know, so, some, some person, somebody might not have the same physical um, experience of an emotion that somebody else does. You know, there is the pain, et cetera, but um, it, it is a very, very unique experience. And I think initially, certainly for me, and, you know, quite a few of the people that I've worked with, there's this fog of disbelief. And, you know, I would just suggest that anybody who is, you know, coming out of a breakup with a narcissist is to basically almost like take your time to process where you are now, because quite frankly, you are not the same person that you were when you went into this relationship that you are coming out of it. And it's almost like trying to get to know yourself again, because, you know, you, your confidence will be pretty shattered. Your self-esteem will be rock bottom because, you know, they're very manipulative in saying quite hurtful things that when you, you know, when you question, oh, I didn't mean it like that, but they did. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, if you keep banging your hammer with a thumb, you know, your thumb with a hammer over the time, you don't start to feel it. So when that sort of thing keeps happening, happening you don't react to it but you know your every cell in your body is taking it in as you know I'm not good enough you know it's my fault etc etc so it does you know it takes a lot of work to actually recover from that but you know people can don't be afraid that it's you know you're going to feel like this forever because you I promise you you won't and you know all breakups are painful um, you know, there's the, there's the grieving process to go through. Um, you know, it is a loss. There is grief. And, um, you know, when, you, when your confidence and self-esteem are pretty rock bottom, you know, you've got these thoughts of I'm going to be on my own. What am I going to do? Nobody's going to love me, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not true. It's absolutely not true at all. But you do have to sort of, you know, dust yourself down 
and you know march forward in a positive way which in the in the early days is is very difficult but it's going through that pain and going through that grief of facing those emotions head on because emotions have absolutely zero logic there is no logic to emotions at all and they will always win over logic so you know you may logically think oh you know this is i need to get out of this relationship you know this is really toxic but emotionally you know you may feel you still love that person mm. so there's a disconnect there so the emotion you know will always win but once you have um broken free from that toxicity is then to you know, face whatever emotion is coming up for you. You know, it might be guilt, it might be shame, it might be resentment, bitterness, anger, all these sorts of things. And these are incredibly dysregulating emotions and they need to be processed because unprocessed emotions will just sit in the body, in the mind and if you suppress them, push them down, ignore them, they will come back to bite you, bite you on the backside because it's a bit like opening Pandora's box. Yeah. And um, sorry, yeah, sorry, I can go on forever without taking a breath. <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, it, it, I wanted to sort of reinforce that it is very important to confront and deal with those emotions because, like you say, if you keep them suppressed and, um, you know, just sweep them under the carpet, all you're doing is hurting yourself because at some point, you know, that that's going to manifest in probably illness and probably severe illness. Emotional pain can and does manifest into physical pain. You know, so, for example, the likes of things like, you know, ME and fibromyalgia, you know, there's no real known cause for, you know, these particular, you know, um, particular diagnosis and you know sometimes you know they're saying they're stress related I mean stress in the body is incredibly toxic because what it does is it puts us in that fight or flight mode all the time and what we're doing we've got cortisol rushing round and um, you know noradrenaline rushing round so that we're on high alert all the time rather than um, you know trying to sort of have our um, system balanced yeah, absolutely. I can relate to that. You know, I, I've been through um, trauma myself and I can remember having those conversations with somebody who was an influencer to me, uh, you know, and I didn't realise that I'd been living on high alert for decades, you know, <laughs> and what damage that was yes. doing, you know, on my body, because I thought always that I've been a very laid back, you know, um, easygoing person on the outside, but obviously internally that wasn't the case. Absolutely. I mean, living with someone like that, um, you're permanently on eggshells because you don't want, you know, you're frightened of saying this, you're frightened of doing that uh, because you don't want to upset the apple cart. And especially if you have, uh, you know, young children, you're trying to keep the peace and, you know, that just totally, um, you know, exacerbates your physical, you know, your physiology and your, and your mental wellness. I think the other thing to remember, to reinforce as well as not suppressing your emotions realizing that if you're um dealing with your emotions obviously that's a lot healthier but also 
um, if you're not suppressing your emotions, maybe then um, you're impacting other people outside of yourself by lashing out on those people that haven't hurt you because that's the way you're, um, you know, dealing with it rather than in a healthy way. Yeah, I mean, that's a really excellent point, Lynn, because people, uh, you know, I've seen this happen, that the people who are there to help, um, you know, you're, you're, you're not used to having that, um, or, you know, you're still trying to process. So you do lash out. I mean, I can remember lashing out to my family, you know, my sister and my mother, and, and they'd say, yo, you know, it's the best thing that you've done. And, uh, you know, and I was, I'm shouting, you know, could you just stop it? And, you know, I don't want to discuss it. And I just need to try and figure this out myself. And yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly, incredibly dysregulating situation to be in. Um, I think it's worse. It is the worst form of a relationship breakup from a narcissist because, you know, they will still have their claws into you. You know, I mean, what I did, and I think I mentioned in the last podcast, is that I cut off all communication, everything from uh, the ex, because I did didn't want to be reminded or hounded. Um, And then I was really scared of being weak and going back. Does that make sense? Uh, You know, I needed to just be on my own and not have that distraction, uh, which was really, really helpful. And, And, you know, I know the worst thing that you can do is to continue um, communication because you know then they're not going to change um you know I mean if there are people listening that have children I did make very strict boundaries with regard to I would only communicate via email if it was to do with the children and that's another thing is then learning in, in the rebuilding process is learning to set your boundaries because when you're in the in a relationship with a narcissist uh, they violate your boundaries, whatever, you know, you've, whatever boundaries that you've had in place before that relationship, they will be violated right, left and centre. And, and I just certainly got to the point where um, I just allowed it to happen. And so there is an element of um, taking responsibility for your part in that relationship. Because, you know, we, we, we do play a part. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't like to use the term victim. No. Um, I just put it, uh, you know, my experience is that I was in a relationship with uh, a narcissist and I endured years of emotional abuse. I could have left years ago. I didn't. You, do you know what I mean? So there was yeah. a part that I played in that. And I think to actually act of your control in the early days, you know what I mean, while you're trying to rebuild. Okay, so initially, when you're speaking to somebody that, you know, has obviously been in one of these relationships or is currently still in one of these relationships, when you talk about um, dealing with those negative emotions attached to that particular relationship, what's the first step? or advice or guidance you give on that, Marie? The first, the first thing I said to people is to be, you know, start to learn to be kind to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. You know, you're human. You love this person. Um, 
and that whilst I've just talked about taking some responsibility for uh, being in that relationship, it's starting to, you know, recognize that you are worth it. You know, you, you're not, you are worth more than what you've endured and that you are lovable and that you can build this life for yourself. And that sounds like a monumental task. You know, it sounds huge when you're at rock bottom. And it's just basically putting in the foundations of learning to um, love yourself by getting to know yourself again. Because I certainly didn't know who the hell I was out of that relationship. And a lot of people I talk to have lost all sense of who they are. And it's getting to know yourself again, because as I said earlier, you know, you're not the same person you were when you went into this relationship. I mean, we check, we, all of us, uh, even happy relationships, which we, we change during Absolutely. these relationships. And, you know, hopefully you, you, you change and grow together or you change and grow apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. no, there's no hard and fast rules to that, but certainly is to learn to get to know yourself again. What is it? that you want what is it that you don't want and you know it might be initially you just don't know the only thing that you do want is the pain to go away and then it's to you know I work with the people with with people on that on that pain and building their uh, confidence and and uh, self-esteem getting to know themselves you know you, there's no flick of a switch and unfortunately and of course everybody's different you know um people uh, um, you know, there may be, I mean, what I do say, and I will say it again, is please don't self-soothe um, on drink, drugs, etc. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to, to make the problem go away, because that will just not be helpful for you in the long term. I always think, you know, it's uh, worth, you know, discussing with um, people that have been on the end of these sort of emotional abuse relationships to to think about you know the healthy alternatives in other words like you say it can be quite easy to sort of go to the doctors get prescription pills and, and maybe that might be a short-term fix as well as self-abuse you know on um, drink drugs and uh, other addictions which mm. aren't necessarily the best course of action to to overcome your initial pain but, but there are healthier other things such as you know journaling writing down how you're feeling even writing letters to the person that's caused the abuse uh, with obviously no intention of sending them as a, as a way of processing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, so is to get everything that, I mean, look, I'm, I woke up every single morning, like I'd been in a train crash. There was so much stuff going through my head. Why this? What if that? How could he? What was I thinking? All that stuff, the self-talk was just enough to drive anybody crackers. And I found journaling incredibly helpful. You know, even before I got out of bed would be, you know, have my notebook there. And I would just write out whatever was going into my head. You know, sometimes I'd read it back. I mean, none of it made any sense. (laughs) But it was just, as I say, a complete and utter brain dump. 
And I found that really, really helpful. You know, there's lots of things that I recommend, you know, sort of um, depending on the individual. You know, I think yoga and Pilates, those sorts of exercises are incredibly helpful. Personally, I'm a tree hugger. So yeah. <laughs> I love to get out into nature. And, um, you know, the I took up photography when I broke up. So that was a wonderful distraction for me. Um, you know, I didn't know one end of a camera from another. So, you know, doing things to for yourself, yeah. but also that, you know, take your mind away from that constant inner critic, inner chatter. You know, things that probably you used to do before you met this person that you gave up or even, you know, things that you wanted to try that, you know, arts and crafts, for example, that um, you never got around to whilst you was with this person are, are good, very therapeutic things to get into, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing, I mean, you're at, that was a really good point. I mean, I gave up all my friends because he was so rude to my friends, you know, even in the early days. And I, I don't know what I, but anyway, <laughs> there you go. Um so it would embarrass me terribly. And I just thought, oh, do you know what? I just can't go through that. So I gave up my, you know, my, my friends for him. And um, so what happened when I was then on my own, I got in touch with them. You know, some didn't bother getting in touch back, which I could understand. But then, you know, and some did. And we formed, you know, great, um, great friendships again. So, yeah, it's a really good point. Whatever, um, you know, you, 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 give, you gave up that you really enjoyed doing, you know, give it another go. It might, might not float your boat now, but it, it might float your boat again. But certainly other things, I mean, create crafting, you know, painting, all these sort of creative things are wonderful because they're using the sort of right side of the brain, which is, um, you know, you're not you, you're concentrating on that. So the logical side is not actually, you know, engaged and it is incredibly therapeutic. I mean, you know, there is there are art therapists and what have you out there. But like you say, you know, all sorts of crafting things you can do. I mean, look at Tom Daly when he's killing time. He sits there knitting. I mean, I think that's marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those that don't know, um, Tom Daly is a British Olympian diver. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and he always makes us smile because whilst he's sitting to waiting to take his next dive, he's crocheting or knitting, isn't he? <laughs> Love it. And you don't need to be good at these things necessarily. I mean, we all have to start somewhere, don't we? So even, you know... Um, if you've never tried any of these things in decades or never tried them before at all, it, you know, it's worth giving it a go. And even if you never become, you know, very good at it, you know, if you find it therapeutic, you find it therapeutic. And it, it's all very cathartic in helping the healing process in a healthy way, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's all people that I've, I've encountered, you know, they've done all sorts of things from sort of going off rambling to potholing, you know, um, what's that thing with a parapont, you know, not throwing yourself off a cliff, but um, yeah, you know. Paragliding. Yeah, that's the word. All sorts of things. And it's interesting because, you know, you will come out of this so much stronger. And, you know, you'll be so proud of yourself. Honestly, I can, I can promise you that. You'll be so proud of yourself. And look back on the journey that you went to, because every day you'll be moving forward. And it's sort of 
journaling is so good because you know if you are writing your emotions and what have you down you could then look back on the previous week or the previous month and then the previous year and think wow look what I've managed to do but it's also one of what I think is a really therapeutic uh, aid is acknowledging your steps forward no matter how small they might be to you it's just saying do you know what I actually feel better today I haven't thought about it as much today or what have you. What do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. Give yourself a pat of the back for any yeah. little win. And also, Marie, um, you know, um, I suppose, uh, just lost my train of thought then, um, not only acknowledging every little win, but also how do you advise somebody that's dealing with feeling stuck because they're worried about what anybody else might think, you know, the friends, the family, uh, and, you know, that shame and guilt is, is, is keeping them stuck to some degree. I, I so can relate to this because when I um, separated, my boys were in their teens and I was not prepared personally to be public with what are my personal personal experience because I didn't want them reading um, stuff because one of the most important things to me was to not name call or you know denigrate their father because at the end of the day he is their father and you know they've got 50% of his DNA so um, it was very important to me that I always was had a, a I showed a positive light to to them about their father and um, you know that took a great deal of strength because you know this, this was somebody who had I felt ruined my life but on the other hand my children you know my children were far more important than the way that I was feeling but then when they got a bit older I just thought you know sod it you know they they need to know me you know, this is me. This has been my journey. I am today the person I am because of what I've experienced. And also, I think it's really important because I have boys. I've always brought them up to be respectful of women, you know, that um, quite old fashioned, you know, you give up your seat, you open the door, etc., etc. Both of which, you know, are very, very respectful of women. But on the other hand, in a man's world, they also need to understand that in a, a woman's world, it's not all uh, flowers and roses. And that also I wanted them to understand that there are strong women out there, like their mother, <laughs> and that, um, you know, strong women are not always, um, you know, deserve the bad press that they get. You know, I mean, I can remember, you know, in the 80s when, you know, I was sort of, um, you know, assertive, aggressive for this and that. You know, people at work would think that it's, I, I'm not that at all. And, um, you know, and I wanted my kids to know that this is how strong women are and, you know, get used to it, um, you know, and respect and respect them for that. And, you know, that might seem sort of um, a real monumental tasks for the people listening at the moment who are perhaps in the early stages of the breakup but you know you will get through this and you will come out stronger 
um, because of what of what you've experienced. Um, you know, women have this amazing emotional strength once we put our mind to it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you don't feel like talking to anybody at the moment, then don't. Because there's nothing worse than doing things that aren't aligned to you. But um, if you feel as though your head is about to explode because you, you, you perhaps feel as though there isn't anybody in your circle that you can talk to, then I would strongly recommend that you talk to um, a, you know, a professional. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, whatever's available in everybody's area, but certainly some, you know, I think anybody who's really been exposed to long-term emotional abuse does need some form of therapy. I mean, I know that's a hugely generalized um, statement, but on the other hand, because we blame ourselves for the situations that we endured and it doesn't help us to understand the process of what you know why we did what we did and everybody you know we all want an answer to why Mm. you know we, we we endured that and so that we can get closure so you know as I say if you feel that there isn't anyone you can vent with then it might be an idea to have a few sessions with a, a therapist um um, that you feel you I mean it's really important to find somebody that you feel you can trust and what have you um, but yeah I mean that's uh, certainly that's something that I did personally I think we all need some somebody don't we that that can empathize hopefully and um, has got insights and expertise and experience around the subject to um, talk this through with and Certainly, I think, you know, for me, my message has come on the back of my mess, so to speak, you know, and I help women that have been through similar abuse and assaults that I've been through because they know I can empathise with it. So, um, you know, in some ways, the, 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 the hurt person that needed healing has now become the healer. And I, I feel that's the case for you as well. For sure. Absolutely. And I think also it's so important that you can talk to somebody who is non-judgmental because that's the I mean, you're feeling bad yourself. You know, you're feeling bad about yourself. So you don't want anybody else judging you about this thing. And I think that's why, you know, it's hopeless to talk to friends and family because they're there hearing something from somebody. They've no idea. You know, they've no idea about it. I mean, I know I have been very, you know, I'm very open about it all now. And I've even had friends from the past who have sent me message and said, oh, my God, Marie, I would no idea. And, you know, why didn't you say? And I just said, you know, it wasn't right at the time. But, you know, I appreciate you reaching out to me just to, you know, um, say that. Um, but, yeah, it's just you don't want to be judged. You feel. You feel so bad that you don't want another form of judgment. <laughs> Absolutely. So on that note, Marie, what, what is your best contact information for those that would like to reach out and get in touch with you and connect? Well, uh, my main uh, platform is um, Instagram. 
So you can find me at Marie Fraser double underscore. And then, you know, there's a link on my bio and connection. So if anybody wants to connect there, that would be, or even follow me, that would be lovely. (laughs) Excellent. I'm sure you'll gain definitely lots of extra followers on the back of that. Thank you so much for your insights and wisdom, Marie. Um, Any other closing thoughts before we wrap up the episode? Um, My closing thoughts are, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling said that uh, rock bottom was the foundation upon which she built the rest of her life. And I truly, truly believe that because when you are rock, rock, rock bottom, and you feel you're at rock bottom, the only way is up. And I believe in every single one of you that's listening to this podcast because you're listening to it because you're out there wanting to help yourself. And when you want to help yourself, that's 50% of the battle. So go, you go, you go, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Marie. It's been fabulous again having you on as a guest and uh, hopefully we'll have you on in the future episodes as well. Thanks ever so much then it's always a pleasure see you next time and on that note i'm just going to leave you with true love starts with opening our hearts and until next time goodbye for now thanks for listening to the hearts entwined podcast you can follow lynn via the facebook group two hearts entwined or search lynn smith inspirational speaker at linkedin or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.